0: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, this is a bit of a record for us in recent months—sequential uh, weeks. There we go. We're, yeah, recording these gems. Uh, uh, inf- <laughs> we got some uh, some valuable infotainment coming your way here in the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Nate Larkin, here with executive producer Mark Whitlock, and joining us from the left coast, the co-host with the most, uh, Aaron Porter. Hey, Aaron. Good morning,
1: Nashville, Tennessee, and to all those listening in this beautiful country and across the globe.
0: Yes, and all the ships at sea. (laughs) Exactly. Uh Exactly. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! I I'm freezing my tail off here in in Tennessee.
1: Oh, your nice spring weather's gone. I feel like we start every episode now with a weather update. I know
0: it's awful. We got to come. Yeah, we got we've got to come up with a new way, really, really, to enter the conversation. I don't know. That's my kind of. That's my default small talk. Well, you know,
2: I guess you guys are either of you morning people?
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, are yeah. you are you a morning person, Eric? Yeah, yeah, I think we both are. Well, then all three of us are. So we shouldn't have any problem. Yeah, hopping on here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. oh well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, uh, it has it has been a week for me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, well, I do know about Mark. Mark's had a week too. Uh, been a challenge for Allie. And if you're a married guy, then you probably it's probably true for you as it is for me. Uh, my wife's my wife's having a tough time. Uh, I'm having a tough time. And Allie right now is fighting just killer insomnia, coming off some medication and cannot sleep. And there's few things in this life that are worse than sleep deprivation. And it can mm-hmm. yeah it can lead to mood changes and uh, personality changes. Uh, yeah. And I, I've had a bit of a struggle at times this week uh, staying uh, understanding empathetic, not going to uh, self-pity, resentment, retaliation. I want to tell you, my inner addict has kind of woken up this week and has been telling me that, you know, this woman doesn't appreciate me and probably never will. Uh, this is, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. That's uh, that uh, trying to give me uh, – A title and license, you know, license, entitlement, a good reason to go off, disconnect. And I know where that goes. Mm -hmm. It goes no place good. I just needed to say that out loud. It's not the first time I've said it this week, but I need to keep that at the front of my conscious life. If I let that go subconscious, uh, It'll drive me to bad places. Are all of
2: those attitudes coming after a prolonged period, after two or three days, like it's been building up? Oh Yeah, yeah. Or are you seeing it like in a routine? Is it like in a cycle? With Ali or with me? What's what's happening in you?
0: Well, what happens with me is, uh, you know, there's this saying that if you scratch an addict, you find a codependent. Uh, I'm, I have a close relationship with my wife, for which I am very, very grateful. Much healthier than it was, even when we first fell in love. And in those months and years of early infatuation, we were more than together. We were enmeshed. Um, after reco- There was a very, very difficult time after disclosure, after I was discovered uh, in early, early recovery, where Allie didn't really want much to do with me took her a long time to trust me. Now she's moved back and moved back fully. She trusts me completely. We're close. and uh, But we're so close. We're at this point now where, uh, you know, at times it may not be completely healthy for either of us. I know she monitors my mood and kind of adjusts hers in relation to mine. And I do the same with her. You know, I kind of wake up in the morning and, you know, look at her and ask how I'm doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. And so uh, Allie right now is withdrawing from some medications, and that's upset brain chemistry. And she only gets a semi-decent night's sleep every three or four days. The rest of the time, she kind of goes progressively more and more. uh, I mean, she hates herself for it. Because my wife is not crazy. Even when she acts crazy, she's sane enough to know it's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> um, that's a that's a frustrating kind of crazy. I'll tell you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So she is. You know, at those times when she goes off the rail emotionally, she, I mean, she's she's apologetic. She, uh, but at the same time. Um, it's far tougher for her to handle these mood swings than it is for me. But as an addict, uh, adept at playing the victim role, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it's easy for me to go to, you know, to climb back up on the cross, right? Right. Your and martyr it, meter goes off. Oh, man. And you just, know what
2: the martyr meter alarm sounds like, don't you? No, no. Me, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: so It's an interesting uh, thing with... Uh, especially people that were married young, because how old were you, Nate, when you guys got married?
0: Uh, I was 21 allie Ali's got ten years right. on me; she was thirty-one. But we were we were the same age emotionally, roughly seven. <laughs> right.
1: And, <laughs> so I was uh, nineteen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Jenny was twenty. And I think when you're married at those early ages, no, you know what? I take it back. I don't think early age has anything to do with it. When you're first married, you spend uh, the first chunk of time discovering what you're disappointed with. <laughs> because going, going into marriage, you, you yeah. know, it's all the fantasy, it's all the ideals. Yeah, yeah, and right. Then, then you find out you actually married a, a, a human being. A, a
0: human being, yes, yes, who,
1: yeah. Who's as broken as you are. Yeah. And so uh, I think certain... Certain habits or cycles begin with the I'm angry, and this is how I'm going to uh, deal with that. Here's how I'm going to self soothe. But then, you know, decades later, those triggers are pretty deep in us neurologically. Yeah. And when we hit those disappointment moments, those bitterness moments, it's like you're. Back to those early years of like, I don't know how to communicate at all, so I'm just going to go withdraw and look at pornography yeah, or things like that, just like are as present. As before, I know I've talked to uh, our church in the past that uh, I am so surprised when my 13 year old comes back out of me. <laughs> and I'm like, how how is how is this 13 year old still so present? Yeah, and I still love to self soothe in the same ways I did when I was a withdrawn kid listening to Depeche Mode and Morrissey. Yeah. Uh, walking with my dog alone in the river. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah yeah well, the reason I asked the question about was it cyclical or was it after a build up is because mm-hmm. for me, in my relationship it it would build up mm-hmm. and so i would I would be doing all the right things, I would be behaving the correct way, I would be um trying to be the loving sacrificial husband that I needed to be right. with a wife who had uh chronic illnesses right right and yet after a period of time, some days it sometimes it would be three days, sometimes it would be longer than that, yeah. Then I would, yeah, right. And I couldn't put it back in the bottle, right. And yeah. there, then, then we had this huge rift between us that needed to be, mm. you know, confessed and healed. Yeah. And and she hadn't done anything wrong, right. There's just me over here not being able to to deal with it and express where I was coming from. So yeah, um, you know, I think. Uh, I I didn't notice I wasn't smart enough. I, I I thought I I thought I had it all together back then, mm-hmm. and and so I wasn't asking the right questions. So um, I'm glad you're asking the right questions and talking about it and yeah, being an example to to us about it.
0: Well, I'm just grateful that Allie and I are at the place where we can talk about it together. We're grown up enough to see what's going on and uh, yeah. Well, uh. Yeah where if I can kind of ask the question, where where's kind of where where have the front lines been for you this week, Aaron?
1: Uh well it's interesting, you're talking about cycles. Yeah. I think it's been uh you know, every couple days gloomy here. We've had a lot of uh sprinkling, you know, not, not a lot of heavy rain, but it's just been overcast and sprinkling. And part of me loves that yeah because it forces me to go inside california is a hard place to get work done because there's always something better to do it's (laughs) why los angeles can't keep a professional football team because everybody (laughs) leaves if it's not a good game by the half to go to the beach
0: yeah 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 oh Um, you got a new team this uh, this week by the way st louis so the rams are coming anyway go ahead
1: Oh the Rams are back. All right. There's my there's my childhood back. Okay. Well they'll only last a few years and Los Angeles will get bored of them.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um but I so part of me loves that and I've I also know that I have a cycle of maybe once or twice a year of just having kind of a I would call it a blue, a melancholy period. Mm-hmm. And I have learned that that's a really good time to be creative in certain ways, yeah. so to use that. But at the same time, it just brings that trigger kind of, hey, i just love to just be alone. I'd love to withdraw. I'd love to isolate. I'd love to engage with false intimacy and just be in my head, Yeah. in the gloom. Yeah. And so it's just, I've definitely felt that. I uh, talked to the guy last week and changed some passwords on things just to make uh certain devices more secure and less accessible yes just because i felt like man this is the this is the time i I think i feel it more acutely because it has not uh been rainy here for a lot of years i forgot about the weather cycles and how it makes me feel
0: you know i i've i've got there's one guy that i talk to on a regular basis who uh, and i neither one of us can figure it out but he goes into all uh, just a uh, a cycle of despair at the same time each year.
2: Wow. Is it seasonal affective disorder? I just listened to some podcast about that. Yeah, 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 that. yeah. Doesn't seem to be. Okay. okay.
0: Doesn't, uh, because it because it happens like uh, it happens like late spring.
2: Is he adopted? Nope. Because the reason I bring that up is that I used to get depressed every year around my birthday. Uh-huh. And as we were preparing to adopt one of our children— I was Doing a lot of reading on adoption, and what uh-huh. I found out was that nobody had ever shared this with me that because adopted kids don't have a birth story, uh huh, birthdays are very, very hard, and some of them go through um, short seasons of depression around their birthdays. I'll be darned, and since that revelation, haven't had the problem. So, oh well. isn't that too something? bad? We just can't fix them here on the Pirate Monk podcast. I'd like the <laughs> fix your friend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh no that's that that's very interesting so I guess the question the topic that has been brought up is uh how to recognize cycles and triggers and then really what to do about it so uh, what are your what are your first go to uh what do I do about it responses in your own life Nate
0: Well, give me a minute to think about it while we do why don't we go to a break? Uh, We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Month Podcast. We're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. We're talking about cycles and how to, uh, how, to, how to stay out of the ditch when the cycle hits, when the wind changes, uh, when you find yourself, as I have often found myself, uh, carried in a familiar but destructive uh, direction emotionally. Uh, well, for me, the biggest challenge is staying conscious uh because I, as you stated so well there a few minutes ago Aaron uh i've got some old scripts uh that i've been following since uh, at least since teenage years
2: you have an inner 13 year old that comes uh, out too i
0: absolutely do um and uh it's easy if i allow it for that old uh, for me just to uh to let that old script reassert itself to go on autopilot uh you know life uh it, just to abdicate direction and responsibility for my own life day to day uh and begin kind of this sleepwalking thing where I begin to act and think uh and even feel mechanically with with w- without uh you know c- you know conscious presence so the big for for me that's why it's really important for me. To stay connected with other people. Um, there it, it's, it's a rare day now when I don't take a walk with at least one guy. And part of that time is spent me listening to him talking about his life in real time. And part of that walk is spent in me sharing my life in real time. Mm. And... Uh, you know the challenge during those walks is for me not to tell war stories from the past, but to talk about what 's going on today and I do find uh that uh, i it's it 's during those conversations sometimes that I become aware of what's actually going on as I give words to it now another way to that is journaling and journaling has had it's been very helpful to me throughout the years and uh if if i if i don't have a chance to take a walk and have a talk with another guy uh this kind of stuff so, and this can sometimes be done with my wife as well although i need somebody other than her to do this i cannot it's not right for me to have to 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 assign to her the responsibility of carrying the weight of all my struggles every day um the, 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 uh, the, the only danger with journaling is that I can combine journaling with isolation uh. Uh, and uh, feed myself the fantasy that, that, you know, just given enough time and enough privacy and enough time with the page, I can think my way through life on my own. Uh, the same, you know, Bible study or at least devotional Bible reading is crucial to my spiritual development. But its danger is that I can do that in isolation. I'm just going to go off. It's just me and God. And uh, because I am uh, not saying my words out loud and not letting anybody else speak into my life, I can lose track of the horizon, begin to think that the craziest things are true, and find myself, before I know it, off in the ditch.
2: Nate, I know you enjoy writing. Yeah. So how does journaling not become performance— for you, and how are you not thinking about how you could
0: use that in the future? Um, the 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 best piece of advice that I was given years ago, and I still follow it, is I don't save my journals. So I really I write, try to write as honestly as I can for uh, a minimum of twenty minutes, and then I tear it out, wad it up, and throw it away. I have to do that; otherwise, I will write for an audience. I'll write for publication. Um, and it turns into something other than it than what it ought to be.
2: And that's more valuable than having something to look back on three years from now and see where God's brought you?
0: I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to sacrifice something. I that's really a do, beautiful answer. I really do think I probably— You know, I've probably been writing the same damn things for 10 years. <laughs> I'm probably still—but the circles are getting bigger. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There, well,
1: there's also some some dangers in how we look back like i uh, I hear what you're saying, Mike, and there is uh there is something really cool about having some markers to look back on and uh raising some Ebenezers along the way, but uh I know I've done counseling uh one person in particular comes to mind that has been journaling for thirty years and they have been writing yeah. the same stuff, yeah. And so they then came to certain judgments and conclusions about their own worth and spiritual uh, aptitude and also God's goodness based on how they would go back and translate those.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I, I think there is a benefit, but there is also a danger because we are not in that moment again. And some of those moments we don't need to go back to. Some of those moments need to be lived and we need to grow through them and we need to move on. And we don't need to immerse ourselves back into that person's head because we can't do it accurately anyways. We're not that person anymore.
0: You know, I'm not hip enough to have moved to Instagram. I'm still on Facebook uh, and lately, Facebook has, you know, almost every day pops up a memory. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm not saving my journals, but it's amazed me sometimes, uh, you know, the memory that it pops up from five or seven years ago. I look at that, and sometimes it's, wow, what a great reminder. And then other times it's, Ooh, I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Or did I really say <laughs> that? <laughs> or, wait, why yeah, did that, I share I mean, that? Maybe that's a good point, Nate.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, for people that that want to engage this differently, um, I mean, I know there's a lot of people listening that absolutely aren't journalers, so this is a waste of their time. But um, I think. I think what you do is very important for everybody, Mm -hmm. that everybody should practice throwing away uh, some journal pages and see what it does for them. Because it's very liberating. Yeah. And it it is impossible when you don't know who in the future is going to be reading this and judging you. Right. To not at least slightly edit towards that direction. Yeah. But I think (laughs) their Facebook... Facebook's amazing. Uh, No, see, I just said Facebook's amazing. That'll haunt me the rest of my life. (laughs) The amazing part of what you're seeing on Facebook is you're only writing what is appropriate for other people to see. Right. So if you had a journal that you said, this is what's going on in my life, this is what God's doing, this is what I'm struggling with, these are my hopes... That would be the kind of thing that would be appropriate to look back on in 10 years and say, wow, I've seen how far I've come, or I've seen how God's still uh, engaged in this with me. Yeah. So I think they're two very different kinds of journaling, and uh, we need to be aware of that. But I do think if you're going to go the journaling route, you have to have a way to do it honestly, and being honest with ourselves and God is as difficult as being honest with other people. Yeah, indeed.
2: And Newton and I had a long conversation about journaling at the pub one night after a, a Monday night meeting, uh-huh. and he was interested in getting started journaling, and we started talking. So I ended up writing uh, an article about journal starters, oh. things that you can do if if you're not a journaler and you don't know how to get started and you're worried about staring at the blank page, some ways that you could get started so you can actually write something before you tear it out and burn it or shred it or throw it away. So I'll, uh, I'll post a link to that that uh, I oh, sent nice. to Newton. So if you want to try journaling a little bit this year, uh, you can try it and, and, and find some, some ways to, to prime your pump to get started.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Somebody I saw a great meme today or uh, this week on Facebook showed up on my – and I, I really liked it and then i saw it was a quote and it was attributed to me so <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently i said it at one point in my life i forget ever saying it and it was like a brand new revelation so i which i i i sense if i probably went back over my journals i i'm probably reaching the same insight mm-hmm. over and over again and then promptly forgetting it
1: i am very grateful that i'm a pastor because there are a lot of things uh, for as for as lame as I can be, I'm way better. I am a way better person and a more consistent follower and focuser on Jesus because I'm a pastor. It's mm-hmm. just what I do every day. Yeah. So you are at the hub of a lot of community, which makes it easier for you to have consistency in connecting and having these kinds of conversations. Sure, right. for For the person that is entering into... Uh, some triggers. Yeah, and they need to learn how to interrupt a cycle because that's really what this is, right? Yeah, we're right. talking about a cycle starting, and I need to jam something in the spokes before it starts getting momentum. Right. So, what are the first steps for a person, even right now, who's feeling like, okay, I I know I'm heading in this direction. I know I'm getting bitter towards my spouse. I know it's uh, winter, and I want to lock myself away. Top three ways that they should interrupt their cycle,
0: okay well uh, well here 's a few suggestions you know i 've been thinking about this one of the things that really helped me early on in 12 step recovery was you know I showed up at my first meeting, and at the end of the meeting, they said, uh, uh, Would anybody like to join us in this way of life? If you do, you can get uh, you can get a chip it 's called a desire chip hmm and uh, so I stood up, and there was a round of applause, and I got this little piece of plastic. Uh, and, then <laughs> I, and then I saw that, um, you know, after 30 days, I could hang on to that Desire chip for 30 days, and if I stayed clean from my acting out for 30 days, I'd get another chip. And I could get one at 60, I'd get one at 90, I'd get one at six months. They were plastic up until a year, and then I could get, we could get into the heavy metal I could I could get a I could get a 1 year chip <laughs> and a 2 year chip. Um and uh because I was not doing the work of recovery it was very difficult in the early years for me to get past 30 days and, and you know and, and then I'd cycle out then 60 and then I'd cycle out. I hit 90 several times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then just kind of blow up. And then found out that I really actually had to do some work to get to uh, I was mistaking abstinence for sobriety. However, abstinence is a part of sobriety, and um, all that to say, if you're not uh, if you're not going to meetings and you're not carrying a chip in your pocket, many times what has reminded me, especially early in recovery, I don't even carry chips anymore. But early in recovery, having that damn chip in my pocket, uh, when my when when that voice would start to go, I'd reach in my pocket, pull out that chip. Uh, There are, now you can get a virtual clean counter on your phone uh, and set a start date and keep a record. And there is something, uh, you know, you just don't want to throw that away when you start to make, when you start to actually get. Now, don't uh, confuse abstinence with sobriety. However, you're never going to, Taste sobriety and serenity, and all that comes with the spiritual growth uh, that we experience doing this work of humility. You're never going to get there without abstinence, so abstinence is a place to start. So that's that's number one. Find a a, a physical or a virtual chip. The people over at Celebrate Recovery, some
2: folks who've walked through Celebrate Recovery, created the app called NOMO, N-O-M-O.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's designed to be a sobriety counter. So lots of people in AA and other yeah. organizations have, as well have uh, used the app NOMO. It's available at no cost right. on the app store. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome, awesome. So that's number
0: one. Yep. Uh, probably the best thing that you can do Uh, When it uh, Or that's helped me Uh, I would say the gratitude list Is huge I can remember at one point uh, Sitting Absolutely shaking Terrified uh I was I was far from home I'd gone to Nashville to work and it's 20 miles back to the house and there were so many commercial sex establishments between where I was working and where I was coming home and there was just there was I called and I met, and it was raging Ugh. it had been it just haunting me all afternoon now I hadn't actually gone to a meeting I'd just been working alone in Nashville I had to get home um so I called my sponsor and I said, you know, I told him what was going on. I said, I I, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to get home. And uh, he gave me a great piece of advice. He said, you know, have you got a, have you got a notebook? Uh, yeah, I did. He says, okay, take it out. I want you to fill two pages with things you are grateful for. Mm, mm. Um, and it's amazing how writing. It takes some thinking to fill two pages especially when so much of my life is in disarray because of my acting out. You know, I was early in recovery. My wife was barely talking to me, and I was really deep in the weeds financially and all kinds of stuff. But there's still plenty and plenty to be grateful for when I thought about it. And that keys back to that, I think, Paul's insight, at the beginning of Romans where he describes— Humanity's long descent into depravity, and he says it started this way. Because they did not acknowledge God as God and were not thankful or grateful, God gave them over to a reprobate lust. There is something about gratitude. Lust tells me that I have to have something and I have to have it now. My life is not complete. I need something more. That's what lust feeds on. It feeds on this sense of deprivation and entitlement. Gratitude says, I have, I've been blessed. I've been abundantly blessed. I have what I need. And it's amazing to me that as I concentrate on gratitude, lust diminishes. So I'd say that's a huge, that's a good uh, interrupter. Another, I'm going to give you four. Yeah,
1: and I, let's, let's, let's stay with gratitude just yeah. for a second as well. Um, I think also expressing that to other people, again, that's a great thing to start with a journal. And yeah. then, you know, when you read through Philippians, we are called to and commanded to have joy, yeah, which is uh, I I love the commands of God which are emotional because it's totally unfair. Yeah. You can tell me what to do, but don't tell me how to feel. And God's like, uh, no, I'm going to tell you how to feel, and then you'll find that you'll do fine. But it doesn't just say to have joy, but we are supposed to be joyful. We're supposed to rejoice. Uh-huh. And uh, at, at we got through teaching this uh, a number of years ago at Vintage, and I I preached on the last chapter, and I finished and. Looked to the congregation and said, hey, does anyone remember chapter one? And everyone kind of went, I shrugged. And I said, well, all right, we don't really have anything else to do except go to another book. Should we go back and go through Philippians again? And everybody gave a thumbs up. And so the next week, Dane started on chapter one again. And it was mostly because I found the joy commands and then the rejoicing, which is the expression of joy,
0: Uh very difficult. Yeah,
1: when people would ask me like, "Hey, and how's it how's it going?" My first thought would be something negative, right? Well, you know, I don't know. I'm struggling with this, or it's been hard, or I'm really tired. I've been sleeping well, and so little things like I will choose, even if that is true, the negative. I'm going to choose to say something that is an act of rejoicing
0: oh, as that's a good response stuff. to
1: how's it going. Now, that's not being dishonest because what I would choose to say was real. I was just choosing not to focus on that.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So, to write a gratitude list and then express it to someone. Mm. And by the way, your spouse can be great for this because your spouse might have not heard anything grateful come out of your mouth for the last five years.
0: Hello. It might blow, yep.
1: you, it might blow your wife away for you to say something that you're grateful for. Right. So, it's a, it is a wonderful tool to move our hearts and remember that um, most of our problems are first world problems and yeah. God is still good and he loves us.
0: You know uh and that that, that kind of leads into this next recommendation that I was going to make make and I got this from a from a sponsor early on who told his story of you know he had his own desperate moment calling his sponsor when he was uh, just about to be carried over the edge of the cliff with this massive wave of, uh, you know, compulsive lust. And this guy's a, an a executive in a major company. And his sponsor said, uh, you, you got some flexibility in your schedule. Here's what I suggest you do. Take an hour, leave the office, swing by, uh, swing by a store and pick up a bag of uh, trash bags. And then uh, go out to the uh, Walmart and uh, pick up the trash in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> what? And, it, uh-huh. and he did it. Now, here, now, here's what it was. And it worked. And the reason it worked was it was an act of service for which he would get no applause and from which he could gain no benefit. It was not about him at all. Um, And, you know, lust is all about me. An act of service is not about me. It's about somebody else. Uh, An act of service is an expression of love, and love is the opposite of lust and really the most effective antidote for lust. So finding a loving thing to do for somebody else can help to break that self-centered lust cycle. Um, now, I've never gone to pick up trash, uh, at least, but I have uh, found that I can interrupt a lust, a, a lust cycle by doing an act of service, using an active service for my wife. Mm. Got it. Yeah, and then the fourth recommendation I would make is just get your get your butt to a meeting. And if you can't find uh, a Samson meeting or or if you can't find a 12-step meeting that fits your particular flavor of acting out, whatever it is, then go to a different one. Um, I, I love going to AA meetings and, the, and sometimes that's the only, early in recovery, sometimes that was the only meeting I could get to. I'm off traveling. I'm an East freaking nowhere. There isn't an SA meeting in sight. Samson doesn't even exist yet, but there's always AA. And, uh, so just get some place where you can listen to people, talk sense to each other and where, uh, yeah, get yourself in an atmosphere of honesty where you can get conscious and get present and get humble and experience the presence of a gracious and loving God, why uh, that saved me on 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 several occasions
1: so tied into two of your three recommendations, uh, you have to interrupt the cycle by calling someone yeah there's there 's really almost no way around that, yeah yeah,
0: making contact somehow. Yeah, you got to give up the – do your very best to give up the the, – don't go toward isolation to try to get out of a cycle. Uh, uh, Isolation only fuels the cycle. You might be able to white-knuckle it alone for a while, but eventually you're going to get too tired or you're going to be too afraid or too angry. You're going to run out of fuel. You can't do it entirely by self-propulsion. We're made to be relational, and we get into these situations. Primarily, I believe, this starts when we're trying to medicate our loneliness to begin with. Uh, uh. And so then to go back uh, to a solitary place to try to stop a cycle that's fueled by loneliness is insane.
1: Well there you go. I think uh, this is a good time for a break. There's suggestions for those of you who are in going towards or will be in a cycle of destruction and we will be right back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Arr, 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 Arr. Arr. We are the pirates. Don't wait.
0: Well, and we're back in the Pirate Monk podcast. Well, at the close of the last episode, Mark, our uh, new executive producer, came up with a novel idea. You sprung it on me, man. I didn't even know you were going to do it. Where you suggested that listeners actually call in, let us know. Uh, your suggestion was, what's the best tip you got in 2015? And... Uh, that was a cool idea. I didn't know if it would work or if anybody would call in, but you actually got you got some calls. That's right.
2: Uh, one of the ways that you can get in touch with us in the future, if you like, go to com or click over from the Facebook page. And at the bottom of every page uh, is a way that you can leave a voicemail for us on the website. You can just click right there, use the microphone on your, your phone or your computer and leave a voicemail. And then we'll also have a phone number you can call in the show notes, uh, or you can call and leave us a voicemail if you like. But we did hear from someone, uh, a listener from Alberta, Canada. Well, let's hear that phone call.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, I am calling from the frozen wasteland of northern Alberta. Um, I enjoy the show, and uh, yeah, Nate and, and you guys have just been really instrumental in my life and also in the, the band of brothers uh, that that meet together here, there's four of us that get together on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, I'll put in my two cents on a couple of things. Uh the best piece of advice I got in twenty fifteen, um, was just something Nate said somewhere along the line where he said, No matter how far down the road of recovery you go, uh, I'm still the same distance from the ditch. And because it's I've been uh I've been out of active addiction now for uh, about two and a half years. Just hearing that statement was really good for me. It was kind of humbling. Helped put things in perspective and helped me realize that uh, just not to get cocky. Realize I'm not invincible and stay humble about it. Um, Another tool I learned, now I don't know, I went through a personal development seminar called Choices here a couple years ago and I'm not sure if it's something I picked up there or somewhere along the road with you guys but it's uh the the tool is just that um I'm I'm responsible for me and my happiness no one else is responsible for that That's, that's my responsibility um and just once that's sunk in it's really actually really revolutionized how I live life um I've just I've lived so much of my life in this weird, needy place where I'm only doing okay if my wife's doing okay, or I'm only doing doing okay if she's given me, you know, the positive affirmation I need to hear. Um, but just once I got that into my head, that I'm responsible for me and my happiness, um, it's changed a lot of things. Um, I've started just doing things for me. I've started eating better working out getting healthier and uh funny thing is i'm actually in a better place in my marriage now than i've been for a long time so yeah that was a cool tip and uh yeah appreciate you guys carry on
0: all right brother from alberta thank you for that call and um and i love i think i got quoted i feel i feel really really (laughs) good about that phone call I got quoted on a quote, I, on a line I stole from somebody else. So. There you go.
1: <laughs> There's a few aspects of that, and one ties in nicely. Uh, I, I love the beginning when he's talking about, even though he's got these two and a half years of uh, sobriety or not being active, that he needs to remember uh, that, Humility, which I love. Dane, the guy that I do vintage with, says it is our only human act that nets a spiritual result. Oh, wow. Uh, We are commanded to humble ourselves. Mm. And so humility and staying aware is uh, really important even as we get our pockets full of chips big yeah. heavy metal chips in our pockets <laughs> yeah. anyways the the next thing though that i think he he talks about two two things that i would love to hear a little more about one is that we are responsible for our own happiness mm-hmm. uh or we are responsible for our own journey so uh, how does blame shipwreck us in the process of walking through this life and staying present in our lives?
0: Yeah. What do you
2: think, Mark? Well, it's interesting. My my big question coming out of that, and this is what I've been struggling with, it's my personal journey. Where can I delineate between when I am shifting the blame to someone else? Mm-hmm. When am I blaming my parents? When am I blaming my adoption? When am I blaming uh, the circumstances of my life? And when am I honestly acknowledging uh, someone else's role, uh, something else that happened right. uh, in my life, and and being able to deal with that? And I haven't, I haven't figured that out yet. I mean, the the thing I keep saying to myself, the the line I keep saying to myself over and over and over again, is something I've heard from a dozen people, including you, and that is, I got to stay on my side of the street. Yeah and when i find myself talking about my wife mm-hmm. or i find myself talking about um someone else in my life that's making life difficult i i hear myself say get on your side of the street yeah and i stop and and i move back over there and i start thinking about what am i thinking what am i feeling um where how is that thinking stinking thinking yeah and how are those feelings clogging up clogging up the works and it, Uh, it's a process it is it is something to do over and over and over again to get out of the cycle of that but still long to know and and maybe it's a couple years down the road when i can tell when am i actually staying on my side of the street but acknowledging someone else or something else's presence in my journey (laughs)
0: You know, I think the, the key discipline here, the key skill or maybe the cognitive shift is learning to take responsibility for my own responses to what happens to me. Ah, I cannot control what happens to me or what other people do to me. The only thing I have control over and I really do have after that instinctive first moment, I, I, you know, I, I don't have control over the instinctual response. Uh, But I do have control over the conscious and cognitive response. I have control over my response to what happens to me. So one of the phrases that I had to drop from my um, conversation, uh, I used to often say things like, she made me mad. Now, that phrase puts responsibility for my anger on somebody else. Right. She did not make me mad. She did something. And I got angry. The anger is mine. It's also dangerous for me to say, you know, this makes me happy. No, I make myself happy in the way I respond to this. And I still don't do that perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. I still will slip into kind of this uh, enmeshed, codependent thinking, Mm -hmm. especially Around my wife, not nearly as much as I used to, nor does she do it nearly as much with me as she used to. Yeah, kind of taking responsibility, and then a big part of it is giving up the resentment against the real of people for the real wrongs that they have done to me. It is true that I have been over the course of my life, at times, neglected and abused by. Uh, People who probably were well-meaning, who didn't mean to harm me, but who did. Right, right. I carried a lot of anger, uh, frankly, toward my dad around a lot of this stuff in early recovery. I think I've talked about it here on the podcast. Learning to back off of that and own my own response and, and extend to my father the grace that I want my children or my grandchildren to extend to me uh Without denying the pain, but taking responsibility for my response i eh, has uh changed things for me quite a bit. did that address it aaron yeah uh
1: that that last piece was i think really important something we uh f- forget that there 's a difference between justification and forgiveness, yeah, so an example of that is uh when somebody says, "Oh, hey, Nate, I'm I'm sorry, I was late for the meeting," and you say, <laughs> "That's funny, because you were late today," that wasn't passive aggressive. Uh, okay. So Nate says to us, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, I was late for the podcast." the The easy response is, "That's okay," mm-hmm. but that's a that's a that's a wrong response because I'm I'm justifying you. I'm saying what you did that was wrong is okay and it's not. Right. I can never I I cannot choose to say it's okay because it's objectively inappropriate. Right. But I can say I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And that is socially so awkward. Oh yeah. It's horrible. (laughs) <laughs> and most people have that most people have that feeling in their gut like I have to say the words I forgive you instead of it's okay. Well that just shows how much easier it is to give a a lie of an answer than to get to the core relational truth. Oh wow. And so even in my own mind it's not about letting anybody off the hook. That's not my right. Only God forgives and justifies.
0: Oh, Only he
1: has the wow. blood that justifies. Yeah. I don't yeah. So I can only forgive, which is, you know, the whole other conversation of how to go about that. But I will say the first step of forgiveness is simply, I am not going to punish you anymore for this. It's now between me and God. Yeah. When I feel those emotions, I won't take it to you. I will take it to Him. mm And please, Christians, stop quoting that you're supposed to forgive and forget and remove people's sins as far as the East is from the West, because number one, God doesn't forget anything. This is an anthropomorphic way to understand that our sins are totally removed. However, you aren't God, and you will never forget the hurts that are inflicted upon you. So if you feel like you're bad at forgiving because you still hurt and remember, uh, you're not. You just have proven that you're not God, and thank goodness for that.
0: All right.
1: Aaron found his soapbox today.
0: Yeah, it did. All I have to say about that. That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Hey, did we get any other phone calls, Mark? We
2: did. Yeah? Yeah, we did. Let's listen to this one, too. Okay. Hey, guys.
1: uh, This is Nathan uh, in St. Louis. Glad to see that you guys are getting the podcast going again. Or again. Or...
0: Again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nathan. Yeah. We, uh, you know, this is kind of like early sobriety. There's a lot of relapses and you just keep picking yourself up and just do it again. So we are, uh, we're, do- we're doing the podcast again and, and again. And again. And again. And again. And thank you. It's so good. C- good to hear your voice there, uh, Nathan. And I hope you'll you'll call back again and again and again. <laughs>
1: And we will be back to do this again next week because there is a scheduled guest. But in the meantime, if you want to call and leave a snarky message or uh, add a question, where can they call? The best thing to do is to go to
2: PirateMonkPodcast.com. You can either go directly to that website or click over from the Facebook page. Uh, And at the bottom of every page, you'll see something that says leave a voicemail. You click on that and use the microphone on your phone or on your computer to leave a voicemail. Uh, You'll also see a telephone number listed, uh, area code 615 telephone number. You can call and leave a traditional voicemail and we will hear those. Uh, And you can give us as much or as little uh, identifying information as you like. Uh, We want to keep your comments in strictest confidence, but we certainly want to hear from you. Uh, You can also leave comments on the Facebook page. We know that 159 of you uh, interacted on the Facebook page, but none of you said anything this last week. So so say something this week, and there's also
0: an email address, right, Nate? There is, absolutely. Pirate Monk podcast at gmail.com if you would like to write. All right, well, the time has flown. It's been a good conversation. Uh, next week, uh, it's going to be good. We're going to have an in-house uh, guest, and also uh, the other cast members are going to be here. Newton is going to be back. He swears. Mondo. Promises, promises. He's going to be. Where did he say he is? He's actually in St. Louis. He's man. in St. Louis. <laughs> and now with Nathan. Okay. All right. Ah, uh, he's, he's blocking he's blocking
1: the bus with all the Rams players with his body. That's They're it, that's staging it. a sit-in. <laughs>
0: uh, or he's at Schlafly tipping one for me. There. there you go. All right. Well, we'll see you next week here on the Pirate Lump Podcast.
1: Oh, hey, uh-huh. come for junior, P, Preaching recovery hey yo. Hey yo.